Welcome back, Bayside. Streaming only on Peacock. Can't wait to start junior year. Saved by the Bell is back. This is gonna be awesome. And taking school spirit. Our rivals just destroyed our mascot. We're gonna crush Valley. To the max. If we don't learn from the past, we are doomed to repeat it. That's why we have all these reboots of teen shows from the 90s. Get a new idea, Hollywood. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. Welcome back, Bayside. They're taking school spirit. The fun's just getting started. To the max. This is going to be awesome. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. It's still going to be damaged. everybody welcome to this week's edition of the still real Talk show episode number 604 for september 9th 2021 this is your aew all out recap and review edition of srtu i'm one half of the show i am jeff peck joined every single week by my co-host the one only dr trey franklin Dr. Trey, contrary to reports you are not jumping srtu for aew like everyone else is my friend no, unfortunately, I am, I am not cool enough to be all elite. Um, but hey, I know some people who are, so I can't really complain too much. Yeah, what a uh, what a week! What a week it has been in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, AW All Out is in the books, um, and we got a lot to talk about it. So let's just get right into it, Doctor Trey. We'll start with the pre-show match: Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, Wheeler Yuta. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus taking on the Hardy family office of Matt Hardy, Isaiah Cassidy, Mark Quinn, and Helico and Jack Evans in a 10-man tag team match. Uh, Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, Willie Uta, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus won. You and I both had that match correct. Uh, it was a good opener to kick off the show, and it got a lot of fan favorites on All Out. Uh, I wish the HFO tag teams got a little bit more time and a push in the tag division. It was nice to see the Butcher return. Uh, it looks like we may be getting a hair versus hair match between Orange Cassidy and Matt Hardy as well soon. Dr. Trey, any thoughts here on the pre-show match? Just can you imagine either of those guys bald? Uh, I I've think really I think Matt's been kind of pushing for a little bit. If you get what I'm saying. Well, okay. First of all, Matt's 46. You gotta love your guys. Yeah, true. True. One of, but and and, and and battling the receiving hairline. But you think about Matt Hardy, you know the the delete Matt, you know the version, the maniacal Matt Hardy, that crazy Matt Hardy, with that crazy hair everywhere, and then now not having any because I don't think we're shaving Orange Cassidy's head. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> really intrigued about that way if that's if that's the route we go with this. But overall, like I thought the match was fine. 
10 man tags are kind of, it's kind of, it's a great way to get everybody on the show, but nobody's going to get a ton of offense unless they're getting featured for something else down the road, which we kind of saw with Orange Cassidy. But it was, it was, it was a fine, fun little match to, to kick off all out. Uh, let's get to the next match here for the TNT Championship. Miro defending against Eddie Kingston. I had Miro, Dr. Trade, Eddie Kingston, and Miro retained the TNT Championship. Good opener. Miro utilizes heelish tactics to take down and at the same time protect Eddie Kingston. Bryce Remsorg played an interesting role in this match. If I was him, I would avoid Eddie Kingston for a while. I was surprised not to see that followed up on Dynamite. Nonetheless, Miro retains. Good way to open up the show between he and Eddie Kingston. Oh. Dr. Trade, your thoughts on the TNT Championship match? Yeah, uh, I, I thought it was a fine, you know, good, hard-hitting match. Crowd was really behind Eddie Kingston. Um, you know, just from a personal standpoint, a little disappointed that Eddie didn't get the win and get the, the little bit of run because I think, and, and you you might know more about this, Eddie Kingston, is he the first person to challenge for the three major men's titles in AEW? So he's challenged for the world title, tag yeah. title, wow. and now TNT title and didn't come away with any of them. Um I don't think anybody else has done that yet. So no, uh, I think you're right. I think you're right. Brody, Brody Lee got close because, but he just never challenged for the tag belt. Um, I'm trying to think. Did yeah, so Co- Cody? Did Cody ever challenge for the tag titles? I don't think he did. Yeah, I think you're I right, man. Think I think Eddie Kingston's got to be the first one. That's a good little stat. So, yeah, um, but you know that is just you know just a little bit disappointing that Eddie get to win. And the one thing, and this is a small Christmas AEW, they don't really do these follow-ups. Like, if they have the screwjob finish at a pay-per-view, it doesn't usually carry over to the next Dynamite. They just kind of go, oh, well, you lost, bud. Uh, we're moving on. <laughs> we'll catch you on the flip side. Um, but overall, like, it was it was a fine, hard-hitting match. It was like what we thought it was going to be, and it was it was really well done. Uh, next match here was John Moxley taking on Satoshi Kojima, uh, the former All-Japan Pro Wrestling World Champion. John Moxley, we both selected to win this match, and he did defeat Kojima in the match. A hard-hitting Japanese-style match, fun match to watch, and nice to see Kojima getting the spotlight in the U.S. stage like this. Uh, obviously, Minoru Suzuki's surprise post-match was awesome. We'll, we'll talk about their match from Dynamite here momentarily, but uh, Moxley gets the victory over Kojima. I was very happy for Kojima to get this opportunity because I don't think he's as well popular. Uh, he's not as popular as he here in the United States um, as he would be over in Japan. Like uh, I think other folks really get it like uh you know okada and hiroshi tanahashi we really don't talk about kojima but kojima was pretty dominant there in the early 2000s for japan yeah like i didn't know that much about i'm kind of the casual japanese fan so just you know if, if somebody you know kind of jumps out stands out that's what i noticed him so i didn't know a lot about kojima so i really wasn't as invested in this match as maybe some of the, the, the more hardcore Japanese fans were, but it was a fine match. Um, and I think the Suzuki segment kind of saved the match. Like if you just watch the match and you're, you're like, yeah, it was fine. Uh, but getting Minoru Suzuki out there for those of us who know who he is, you're like, Whoa, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, especially that Suzuki is actually traveling the country, working indie shows as well in the States. Like that's a pretty awesome thing to have happen. Having Suzuki float around the U S right now. Yeah, let's talk about the Suzuki-Moxley match here momentarily from Dynamite. Dr. Trey, the uh, homecoming from Moxley in Cincinnati. Obviously, it appeared like, uh, not appeared like, I, I would ba- basically guess here. Uh, they were short on time. They cut Suzuki's entrance, which is you know, everybody chants at the uh, the part of the entrance theme song when he comes out. So they cut that. Um, the match was like seven minutes long. And then it was just a bunch of like celebration in the stands for Moxley. 
it, which was, you know, it was disappointing, but it is what it is. It's nice to see Minoru Suzuki getting some uh, some love here in the United States, but it seemed like that match was cut short due to time constraints. Yeah, that's that's one of the things. And listen, like we have heaped a ton of praise on AEW, but they do have a bad habit of, hey, we got our main event match. Uh, we had to cut time in the main event match because other segments early in the show ran long. You know, you and I have talked about that over the last two years. They're, they have these moments where they don't have their times down correctly. You know, cut the early segments to save for the big stuff. But yeah, overall, like it, it was great to see Mizaro Suzuki getting featured on a U.S. main event. Uh, that, that's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, you're kind of taking away a little bit of luster for the casual fans who are flipping to AEW for the first time who maybe didn't see All Out. And you're cutting part of Suzuki's entrance. Like, that's that's not great. Um, but super happy for, for all those guys involved. Um, and I don't know about you, but I'm kind of over John Moxley's Wild Thing entrance. I, I, really? I, that's, to me, doesn't fit. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I just He's not Ricky Vaughn. You know, it's like it, the song just doesn't really fit him, I guess. I don't know. Maybe he does. He picked it, so good for him. Uh, I can see it, you saying that it doesn't fit him, but... Um... Wow, very surprising. I feel like we're we're getting an interesting Dr. Trey here. A little ornery tonight, Dr. Trey. A little ornery here. Uh, I, to- I told you, man. I'm in grumpy old man stage because <laughs> all these kids in this Walmart parking lot revving their engine. He did tell me that before the show. Uh, next match here for the AEW Women's World Championship, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, defending against Chris Statlander. We both had Britt Baker winning, and she did win the match and retained. Uh, I really enjoyed this match. I loved Orange Cassidy's role on the outside, being fired up and breaking away from his, quote, normal character. As it showed, this was a big match, trying to fire up uh, Chris Statlander. Awesome work by Burt Baker and Chris Statlander have been my favorite wrestlers in the AEW women's division thus far. Uh, Dr. Trey, your thoughts on this one as Burt Baker defeats Chris Statlander? Yeah, I was uh, not say, not to say pleasantly surprised because both these girls are actually really fantastic wrestlers. But, you know, this has been the Achilles of AEW has been their women's division, and it's getting better. Uh, kudos to all those involved that's actually improving. I actually can watch some women's matches now in AEW because I couldn't do it for a very long time. But this match was was, was pretty damn good, and I, I really enjoyed it. So, uh, and, and you know, getting anytime we get Britt Baker on TV, she she's just just incredible. Like I I love the way she puts her matches together. I love the way she trash talks during the matches. The way she sells, like she's you know probably one of my favorite female wrestlers. She's definitely top three. I think uh, for me to wa- enjoy watching right now. So you know, kudos to her. And the next match here for the, is a steel cage match for the AW World Tag Team Championship as the Young Bucks defending against the Lucha Brothers. I, the Lucha Brothers, Dr. Trey, the Young Bucks, and the Lucha Brothers are your new AW World Tag Team Champions. Uh, Dr. Trey, what a match. Long time coming for the Lucha Bros who needed this championship win. I love this match. Great storytelling. It's a match of the year contender. Uh, what else can you say about this match? Amazing work by all four men. The emotion from Ray Phoenix at Penta post-match showed how much of a career-defining moment that match was. I loved it, man. Lucha Bros defeating the Young Bucks to become the new AEW World Tag Team champs. Yeah, it, it was great. Uh, it was well done, well thought out, well put together. The whole thing was was great. It's like So, once again, I'm Henri. I'm old. I'm going to nitpick one thing. The dive off the top of the cage onto three guys. They hit all three. All three guys go down. Penta jumps right back up. The other three guys are there too. The Bucks are down. I'm like, didn't you just hit all three of them? Wouldn't it be equal across the board? Wouldn't all three guys be down? Like, how did Penta jump right back up? But that's just the old school wrestling guy in me being a little honorary, a little grumpy about it. Overall, loved it. I even loved um, 
I, I don't know the guy's name. I, I forget it. The the hype man for the Lucha Bros. Oh, uh, Alex. Uh, um, Avantes or a, 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 something like that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Love, here, here's a little little thing I love. I don't like babyface managers. I never have. They didn't call him a manager. They called him a hype man. And that, I thought, was just a small little stroke of logic in that, like, he's not their manager. He's their hype guy. Um, and quick shout-out to, to Mikey Ruckus, uh, the music guy for AEW, for the uh, awesome intro for the Lucha Bros. Like, that was great. Um, overall, this, this was one of the be- better tag team matches we've seen in a, very, in a long time. Like, these guys, whenever they're in the ring together, listen, the, the old-school guy in me will get a little nitpicky at times, but overall, enjoyment factor, great. Getting masked men to bleed is something that you hardly ever see in U.S. wrestling, and they were able to pull that off as well. So, like, just phenomenal work for those guys. Just just great job. Uh, is this the Young Bucks rival in AEW, or is it FTR? Um, I, I think you would have to say that this is their rival, considering that FTR is heels. Like, we, they had, what, one match? One and a, like, one match, really? So, and it was great, but these guys kill it every time and and it's not just this is a rivalry that's gone on it was in pwg it's been all over the, it's, up, it's been down in mexico like these guys just have great chemistry and every match they do is solid like i don't think you and i have ever sat here and said man that match with the bucks and lucia bros let me down like we've never said that they always meet or exceed expectations so to me yeah this is this is their natural rivals plus it's brothers versus brothers that's really, I mean, you think of like Harlem Heat and the Steiners from back in the day, kind of the same thing. Like when you got brothers fighting brothers, it's always a good match. Yeah, it. it I love watching these two teams go at it. Uh, Lucha Bros, I feel like kind of an underappreciated tag team. They get lost in the shuffle sometimes in AEW. And this was a great way to showcase them as like one of the pillars of the tag team division in AEW. Uh, next match here, 21-woman Casino Battle Royale for an AEW Women's World Championship match title shot. Uh, I had Ruby Soho, Dr. Trey had Thunder Rosa, and Ruby Soho won and debuted by eliminating Thunder Rosa. Uh, very happy for Ruby Soho, the former Ruby Ride in WWE, to make her AEW debut and win the Battle Royal. She's extremely talented and deserves a chance to challenge as a top women's division contender. I thought her and Thunder Rosa being the last two competitors shows you that the women's division is, in ver- is very bright right now in AEW. Dr. Trey, Ruby Soho debuts, wins, and becomes the number one contender to take on Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, for the AW Women's World Championship at some point soon. Your thoughts on this match? Yeah, I mean, I guess overall it was good. Like, there were, you know, once again, old guy nitpicking a little bit. Like, there was a couple spots in there where they're like, the, you know, women going through the ropes. Like, I, I still don't, was it Rio or Sheeta that the announcers had no idea if they were actually eliminated? Like, you know, a couple spots. But we got 21 women going at it. Things like that happen. Um... Really excited to see what AEW does with Ruby Soho that WWE missed out on because I was I've been a huge fan of hers you know from her independent days all the way up. You and I sat here I think about a year ago and I would say she's the best in ring technician in the women's division in WWE and they weren't using her. Um, so super happy to see her go. And like you're right when you look at <clears throat> Britt Baker, Chris Statlander, Ruby Soho, Thunder Rosa, uh, and then you add in she you know Hikaru Shida, Nyla Rose. They've got a that, that, that's coming along. Nyla Rose, once again, still not. She's the Nia Jax. Like, she's awesome to watch, but she looks a little scary and sketchy in the ring sometimes. But when you got those other five women around her to carry this wounds division, they're in pretty good shape right now. And the, that's just the development of everybody else. When you look at the Bunny and, and, and uh, 
Anna Jay and, and Ty Conti and everybody else, they've got some talent. It's just getting them to, to match what everybody else is doing in the ring. So great job overall. And, and, and Ruby Soho looked fantastic. The jacket looked fantastic. And the crowd just erupted for her. So uh, great all across the board there. Uh, next match here is Chris Jericho taking on MJF. If Jericho loses, he must retire from in-ring competition in AEW. Dr. Trey and I both had Chris Jericho, and Chris Jericho won and defeated MJF. Uh, I love the finish and the restart to Jericho winning. Uh, usually restart spots are cringeworthy, but this was done really well. It was a good back-and-forth match, good storytelling, amazing feud, maybe the best feud in 2021. Chris Jericho defeating MJF. Dr. Trey, what say you? Yeah, I mean, to me, it was great storytelling. Uh, you know, you know, referencing MJF being three and O, which means that even if you know, and we saw a little bit on Dynamite that even if he loses, he's still three to one against Jericho. Um, the finish I thought was really was was greatly done because you had Warlow run in, Hager runs out, all the refs come out to break it up. So when you have the leg on the rope spot at the end of the match and the refs there, it makes sense. They tied it all together perfectly. Um, I. <laughs> It was. I don't know. I don't know if you got this. Like Jericho was trying to go for the old school walls of Jericho, and he couldn't get the foot placement down at the very end, so he had to set it back into the regular. Or actually, he was going for the lion tamer. Had to go for the walls of Jericho, and a part of me was like, "Damn! If he just got that foot down and got the old lion tamer locked in." It was like, because well, MJF's arm was in the way, though, right? That's what I thought yeah, it was. Yeah. Like his foot went back, and then he kind of caught MJF's shoulder, and it started to slip, and so he kind of rebraced himself right off to the side. But I was like, man, like the old school fans of us would have loved to see the lion tamer finish him off. Oh yeah! But it was still really, it was still really good, and, and told a great story. And once again, this is another rivalry, like we talked about with Miro and Eddie Kingston, where even in the loss, he's still protected because of the way the announcers put him over being three and zero against Jericho going into that match. Well, now he's only lost one match to Jericho. It just happened to be this match. Uh, yeah, that's really good. I mean, the, the feud is is phenomenal it went on for a year literally began the day after or the dynamite after of all out last year following orange cassidy and uh chris jericho's feud and then it ended after the mjf moxley feud and then it had a lot of twists and turns they were partners they were tag team partners they were friends and stable mates and enemies it was all over the place um i think for a while there it was looking like pinnacle and inner circle was going to be the feud of the year but i Dr. Trey, I, as it stands right now in September, I, I don't know what feud in wrestling kind of matches this feud that they did, MJF and, and Chris Jericho. No, because nothing else lasted. This is an old school NWA, WCW type feud that lasted this long. It had all these twists and turns and everything else. The only thing I see on the horizon that will that could match this is when RK Bro breaks up. Because hmm. we all know it's coming. You know, but... If you look at how long that you know how it started, how they're tag team, they're champions. Then if it breaks up and they go to Rumble and WrestleMania, you know that's going to be almost a nine month view at that point or nine month story. This story lasting a year in the world we live in now with like you know everything else is like a ninety day feud. You know it's like it's like a TLC all the future like TLC shows ninety day fiance ninety day feud. This is a year long thing. Just great storytelling for for all those guys involved, and you know it's got Jericho and MJF's fingerprints all over it. So I'm sure they were the ones that were kind of coming up with all the stuff to keep the feud going because it's been so good. So you know, congratulations to those guys on you know doing great storytelling in a which is basically a lost art in a lot of wrestling now. 
Uh, next match here was the return of CM Punk taking on Darby Allen. We both had CM Punk getting the win, and CM Punk did defeat Darby Allen on Sunday night. Um, CM Punk looked like he had a little bit of ring rust, or it was purposely laid out that way. I'm not sure. Nonetheless, I thought Punk looked good, and Darby showed he could hang in the ring with one of the best wrestlers in the past decade. Uh, it was a solid match, and I really liked the finishing sequence of this match. I was happy for Punk to be back in a wrestling ring and for Darby to get the spotlight. Uh, I watched the media scrum afterwards, and I heard a reporter tell CM Punk to his face that he looked a little slow and his cardio was a little bit slow. And I thought the same thing, but uh, I didn't want to kind of rain on the parade because for the last seven years, all we've been clamoring for is for this in-ring return. And for us to think that 2014 CM Punk was going to step into the ring for the first time in seven years in 2021... I think we were sadly mistaken. Nonetheless, he looked good. I don't know if I like the tights. I think he asked that on Twitter. But um, it was great to see him back in there. I think probably a couple of the drawbacks, obviously a little bit of ring rust. And you could just tell when he was calling things in the ring with, with Darby Allen. Like, it was pretty evident, pretty clear. They weren't hiding it pretty well. But, uh, like, the last maybe five minutes of the match I thought were really good, really smooth. And uh, it's going to take some time for Punk to get those sea legs back underneath him. But very happy he's back in the ring. He gets a victory over Darby Allen. Shows respect to Darby post-match. Shows respect to Singh post-match. Dr. Trey, your thoughts here? Sam Punk defeating Darby Allen. Yeah, it was it was, a, it was an entertaining match, which is what I was expecting. Like, I, was, I was hoping for an entertaining match. And for people who are like, oh, well, I mean, he doesn't look like, well, for one, really the last five years he hasn't trained for wrestling. It's a you, you. It's an entirely different body style. Like with Brock Lesnar in UFC, doesn't look like Brock Lesnar in WWE. You look at those guys who, you know, do different. You know, go into different avenues. They don't look like the same guys when they come back. Sometimes it takes them a little while to get back to wrestling shape. Wrestling shape is more for show, not for actual fighting ability. Um, so yeah, it's going to take a little bit of time for him to get back to where he needs to be. I mean, we don't really know how long this whole process of him signing with AEW took on like how long had he been considering getting back in the ring. So, I mean, if, if, if they decided this a year ago and he had a whole year to train for it and this is how he looked, all right, I can knock it. If this was something that kind of came out of like the last four months and they got put it together. Hey, for that, the dude looked great for being off for seven years. Um, and working with Darby, who's lightning quick. Like there are very few human beings in the world. I've ever seen in the wrestling ring quicker than Darby Allen. It's an adjustment period because you're not used to that speed. Punk's usually the faster guy in the ring, and he's working a guy who's you know probably twice as fast as he is. Um, so overall, I, I thought it was really well done. I'm with you. I don't know if I like the tights, but it's, it's a different look. It's a different CM Punk. So right now I'm on board with it until he does something else because Punk in wrestling is better than just about anything else we've had in the last two decades because the guy's great on the microphone, great in the ring, and obviously gets a response from the audience, which is something that a lot of wrestlers don't get. So yeah, we missed him. Yeah, glad to see him back. We missed him. Uh, next match here, Paul White taking on QT Marshall. We had both had Paul White. Paul White getting the win. And Paul White did de- defeat QT Marshall. Uh, it was a respectful squash match. I was happy for Paul White to get his first AW match. Not really else, much else to talk about this one, Doctor Trey. Other than that, may be the ugliest singlet I have ever seen in my life. On on Big Show on oh, Paul White on Big Show. Yeah, because it was like. I know he has said in an interview he was excited to actually get to pick something different to wear that he hasn't done because WWE, I guess, wouldn't let him wear. Other, but it was like a new front, but then the old school blue camouflage on the sides. I'm like, that doesn't really go together. I didn't 
a lot of time you see gear, you see what somebody's going for. And I had no idea what he was going for with that gear. Unless it was like, hey, I'm just covering up the old me with the new me. I, that's literally what my interpretation of the gear was. So, But yeah, for, for a basic squash match, you know, good for him. Hey, I'm happy for QT getting some, you know, getting some pay-per-view time. Because uh, the dude's been grinding it out on the independence for a very long time. So uh, getting a little bit of, of, of love from taking a, a, an ass kicking from Paul White. Worst things could be out there in the world. So, uh, for a squash match, it was fine. It's just you know, and it's it's also a perfect placement for it to kind of lull the crowd, you know, bring the crowd back down to get them amped up for you know the the incoming main event. Yeah, I I think the other thing too. I mean, you could tell he's a gentleman who's had um had hip surgery recently or yeah. in the last couple of years. I mean, he, he's forty nine years old. He's not moving as as well as he used to, and and big men tend to run a little bit slower in general. So. Uh, I was happy for him. I don't really want to drag him through, but it was what you kind of would expect it was going to be. It wasn't going to be more than five minutes, and it was uh, Paul White getting a moment there that he hasn't really had a chance to have in the last several years. Um, and then finally, our main event here for the AW World Championship, Kenny Omega defending against Christian Cage. We both had Kenny Omega winning, and Kenny Omega did retain the AW World Championship. Um, match was fine. I felt like it kind of dragged on a little bit. It never felt like Christian really had a chance to win, which took the suspense out of this match. It also didn't help that the crowd was waiting for a big moment at the conclusion of this match, which is what they got, and we'll talk about that in just a second or two. But that's to me, it was like waiting the inevitable. It was like Christmas morning, Dr. Trey, like being stuck in your bedroom as a little kid, waiting to run out to go open up all the presents and see what Santa sent you or whatever. Like That's what I felt like. It, it just... Everybody was, not, was just waiting for the match to end. Like, we all knew Omega was going to win. Um, and we were just kind of waiting for the match to end for some surprises, which we did get, uh, which is a shame because it, I don't know. I, it took it really did not help with my attention span, Doctor. I don't know about you, but uh, it just felt like it dragged a little bit. And we just were kind of waiting patiently for the big moment. Your thoughts here? Kenny Omega defeating Christian Cage. Yeah, the, the dragging didn't bother me just as much as I know. The type of wrestler Christian is like Christian knows, you know, how to speed it up, slow it down, pace things out, stretch things out if you need to to get to a certain time point, all that stuff. Um, but you're right. Like to me, even this main event as a whole, uh, when I'm looking at the card, this was not the match I was most excited to see. So seeing the main event kind of took it down a little bit. Like <clears throat> I don't think anybody was picking Christian to get the win. So it was kind of like, like you said, biting just Christmas morning away from mom and dad to wake up because you're just amped and ready to go and see what you're going to get. That's what it was. Like, I, I didn't expect Christian to win. Christian didn't really have a ton of offense, which is not bad thing because baby faces are designed to sell, you know, before they get to their comeback spot. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of like just, all right, let's just kind of get through this and get to where we need to get to. I, I think their other the, the match they had on Rampage was better than this one. But that was a little Agreed. more, a little bit more of a toss-up as to who was going to get the spell. I don't think anybody thought that Christian was going to walk out with all the titles uh, like Kenny had a few weeks ago. So to me, it was kind of like, all right, let's get through this, see how they're going to close the show out. Because if this match is, I mean, this match on paper, Jeff, like I, I think we were all more excited to see Punk and Darby and even MJF and Jericho more than this match. So if this is third on my list, and even Bucks and you know the Lucha Bros, as far as in ring stuff, you knew it was going to be better. I, to me, it was like 
it was placement for the sake of placing the heavyweight title in the main event is what I got out of it. And then for the great close to a show as well, that we were going to get something great. So uh, the match itself, like I said, the match was fine. Uh, it just wasn't, you know, a main event quality match, I guess, in my eyes. And we're going to go in depth with this here in just a second, but just to close out AW All Out, give our ratings, match of the night, all that stuff, close the show, Adam Cole jumping from NXT, jumping from WWE to AEW, Brian Danielson jumping from WWE to AEW. We'll get in depth about that in just a second. Huge shock, huge surprise, anticipation for the most part, expectation for the most part. But with All Out, let's look at the predictions here, Dr. Trey. Uh, not to dislocate my shoulder, but uh, your boy here went a full 10-0 and 0 during Ooh. AW All Out, which uh, I guess the show means it was very predictable. Dr. Trey went a very respectable 7-3. and three. We are now both tied 81-33, and 33, so I cut the uh, three-match deficit there in one night. God bless. Uh, my match of the night, I gave it to Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks. Dr. Trey, what was your match of the night? Yeah, I, I think... I, I, I'm probably going to go Jericho MJF for the pure, just maybe not for the individual match, but just for the overall arc of the story taking a full year. So I'll All go right. MJF Jericho. Lucha Bros was maybe better in ring, but just for overall and, you know, for longevity and then still having a pretty damn good match. I'll go Jericho MJF. All right. Now here comes the very interesting part. I thought long and hard about this event rating and uh, I've, encompass a lot of things that we've done here over the years for for us in the history of the show i feel like money in the bank 2011 wrestlemania 31 SummerSlam 2014 um kind of stand out as those shows that were ones that we always refer back to as being like some of the best shows we've watched very overall solid show and when i looked back at the show and there was a ton of love and respect and hype over AEW All Out. I was thinking to myself, like, okay, how do you grade this show? And I, I thought about it, and obviously there were there's some things that were down. Nothing is a completely perfect show. We've never handed out a 5.0 out of 5.0. But um, I'm going to be so bold here, Dr. Trey, and say that I believe this is the best AEW show they've ever done since its startup. And I think AEW All Out 2021 enters that echelon now of Money in the Bank 2011, WrestleMania 31, SummerSlam 2014 is some of the best shows we've ever covered here. There's a lot of NXT takeovers in that mix as well. But I think it's in that echelon of shows. So when I came down and really thought about like, okay, what do I grade this? Um, this is a rarity here, but I gave AEW All Out a 4.7 out of 5. I love the show. It was extremely solid, extremely entertaining, and there was never a match that I was like, man, that was shit. Like, like they picked it up in a lot of areas. I, I love this show. It was fantastic. Dr. Trey, your thoughts? I went 4.7. What say you? Where did you stand on AW All Out? I was a little under you. I was at a 4.5, which I still think is the highest grade I've given out probably in the last two years. So my long-term memory, Jeff, as I get older, is not that great. So I was like, 4.5 is pretty, pretty high up on my list. Like, I, like I, I'm with you. Like, I, there was nothing in the show where I looked at and was like, oh, God, I could have taken, taken a bathroom break here. Like, I was invested in every single match. Even Paul White, you know, I was invested because I, I just want to see what, what he could still do. 
uh, and, and see what they were going to do with the factory and see how that went. So I was into everything, loved you know, the close of the show I still thought was good. You know, overall, like I was, I was really, really happy and really enjoyed it. So, uh, four point five was where I came in at. Yeah, very, very, very solid show. Do you think it's in that echelon? Do you think it's in that same discussion that we we talk about some of the best shows we've ever covered in the history of this program? I think I got to get I got to get a couple shows out from it because knee jerk reactions would be like, yeah, absolutely, it was great, but I, I kind of want to see like the fallout from those other shows you mentioned is kind of what puts them in better in higher, you know, they were great shows, but then, you know, what falls out from those shows, you're just like, man, that really was fantastic because it spawned this, it spawned this, or they went this direction. I kind of want to see how it plays out because here's the thing. And we're going to talk about here in a little bit. If Adam Cole, Brian Nielsen show up on the show and in six months, they're not doing anything. Does that take away from the debut? Hmm. You know? So that's where I'm kind of like, give me a couple shows to see where everybody's at. But, Knee-jerk reaction, yeah, it's up there. I just hope they can capitalize on it. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I, that's the thing. Like, when it was over, you go online, you go on Twitter, and it was just blowing up. I mean, people were loving the show, rightfully so. Yeah. And it really wasn't until, like, the next day or two when I thought about it, and I looked back, and I'm like, man, I was I was really hyped and excited about that show going into it. I was really hyped and excited about it post-show. Like they did some really cool things that people will be talking about forever. It's a, it's a historical moment in AEW's history, and uh, it moved the needle. And uh, I think at least in this moment right now, days removed from it, it, it's it's a pretty phenomenal show. And I think you're right. Historically, when we look back in in time from now, do we look back and go, "Wow, remember how much love we had for that show?" and ended up really doing nothing. But at least in the time being, you're like, "This is this is some pretty amazing stuff." So massive props to AEW for what they accomplished this uh this past Sunday night, Dr. Troy. Yeah, and 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 we'll get into more stuff here, but like I, I and I'll just say there either. I didn't think Dynamite was that great of a follow up to it. And True. that's what's got me nervous. Yeah, yeah so and and, and the viewers like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was say like if you look if you if you look at you know like Money in the Bank two thousand eleven, we came back on raw and we we're like, what the hell like we were literally like level cliffhangers like what the hell is gonna happen? And we got, you know, the one night tournament to crown a new champion, you know, and, and, you know, we had all, you know, the other shows we, we, we had decent follow-ups, you know, the raw after WrestleMania, after WrestleMania 31 was, was great because the raw after WrestleMania usually is always great. The dynamite falling all out kind of like, not saying left a sour taste in my mouth, but I was kind of expecting more and they really didn't give me as much as I wanted. So it was kind of a letdown, which, you know, Conversely, might also have actually lowered my score on the show because we're we're four days out from it, and I'm like I'm left here watching watching Dynamite last night, going Dynamite just kind of let me down a little bit after how great All Out was, so that that might have tempered it a little bit. Uh, after the show on early Monday morning, at this point now, uh, I had tweeted out in about a four week span. AW brought in CM Punk, Adam Cole, and Brian Danielson into their promotion. Bray White is also available to be signed. WWE can only blame themselves for all of this, and uh, it caused a little bit of an uproar on Twitter. Uh, it was replied to a large amount of times, retweeted a large amount of times, liked a large amount of times. It's probably the most viral tweet I've posted in in probably five to six years because I really don't tweet as much as I used to anymore, following or during wrestling shows. But it really made you like, wow, this is this is an important moment in wrestling history here. Is it outsider esque? Is it NWO birth esque? 
Like, it sent a massive missile to WWE, like, AEW is here, and uh, they're going to challenge you. You may not think of them as, as competition, but you've got some of the most influential wrestlers of the last decade jumping your company to the startup from the last two years because they want something different. They want something new. They want something creative. They want to have feel invigorated and, 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 and be excited again for being a professional wrestler. And that's like how the fans feel about WWE for the most part. And if the fans feel that way, that's kind of normal. But if the wrestlers feel that way, Houston, we've got a problem because Adam Cole and Brian Danielson, they appeared at AEW all out. Brian Danielson, the former Daniel Bryan now, has been rumored for a very long time, last couple months, to be, de- be debuting in AEW. Uh, it was reported it was going to take place at Arthur Ashe. It didn't. The rumor on that is that they wanted to move his debut further, to uh, move it up, because they were afraid with everything going on with the Delta variant right now that they may not be able to have the show at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Smart move by them. Uh, Adam Cole was a little bit of a surprise, even though it always felt like he was going to end up there, given the best friends and his his girlfriend is there, that he was always going to end up there. But he was the face of NXT when they were challenging AEW for during the Wednesday Night War. So you're like, no, no, it can't be. They can't be doing that. Like he's he's not. They're not going to let him go. Then he gets a meeting with with Vince McMahon and blah blah blah. But he still shows up. There's some rumors about him today. We'll get to that momentarily. But Doctor Trey, this is like an earth shattering moment. There's also rumors of some very popular names potentially leaving WWE for AEW. A name that like is synonymous with this show. Um, this is not good for WWE right now. Like there's a ton of momentum going in AWA, AEW's direction. And WWE is is kind of like scratching your head a little bit. So your thoughts here. Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, they jump to AEW. Does WWE have a problem or is AEW just that much better to be part of? No, this is very reminiscent of, you know, Bash at the Beach, you know, the Monday Night Wars. Like this is that salvo across the bow of the ship saying, hey, you know, we're serious. This we're we're coming for that spot. Um because you think about what WWE and WCW were before Hall and Nash jumped to WCW and then Hogan joined the you know, Hogan turned heel. And it was it was an okay show, but it wasn't groundbreaking, it wasn't earth shattering. They were kind of just chugging along and WWE didn't feel them as a threat, so they were just chugging along. They were just treading water. That shot that Bischoff took changed the landscape of the game and put them on, you know, was 86 weeks, you know, trend heading upwards. And WWE had to change their entire business model to compete. It's that shot. Like, hey, we're taking all the guys that wrestling fans love and we're bringing to our show and giving them freedom to kind of do not what they want, but go the direction they want to go. Do what they want to do. Give them the freedom to wrestle in other places if they want to. That's something that the, you know the business has not done ever. You know, if you were a WCW guy, you stayed in WCW unless they sent you to Japan for a couple weeks. If you're a WWE guy, you stayed in WWE unless, hey, we got this ECW show we can work with every now and then. But that was it. Like you're seeing guys crossing over on other shows all over the world. That's never been done. It is that shot across the bow. And so the question is going to be: 
and, and, and the rumors are out there and we might touch on it later. I'm not sure where we're going with the rest of the show, but does Vince care enough to change the model to compete with this? Or is he just going to like, Hey, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing and keep chugging along. And if, if, if it works great and if it doesn't, Hey, somebody will you know take up this mantle here before long and I ain't got to deal with it anymore. Yeah, there's a lot of different directions here. Let's go to the first part where there's some rumors out there, specifically Kevin Owens. Uh, he fed into the rumors on Twitter earlier this week, tweeting out the uh, the coordinates of Mount Rushmore, which was the stable that he had uh, with the Young Bucks and Adam Cole and PWG. And he changed his location to almost there. The Young Bucks, their location on their Twitter is there. And every time that they, t- they tease something on Twitter, it happens. We saw it recently with Adam Cole with the Ghostbusters stuff, and it happened. Um, and now we're seeing it again months before, reportedly, Kevin Owens' contract expires in January 2022, which would be a massive loss for WWE and a huge get, get for AEW. And then there's the report out there today about Adam Cole that according to Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, that WWE's pitch to Adam Cole, I don't know if it was pitched to him or if it was talked about in creative meetings, was that he was going to be the manager mouthpiece for a heel Keith Lee, a la Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley. And, you know, when I saw that report, I was like, this can't be true. Like, we we hear from the wrestlers that they believe, especially John Moxley, that Vince is out of touch. And, it's it, you know, I never want to say that because the guy for 40, 50 years has been dominating professional wrestling and has made some very, very entertaining moments in my life and made me a lifelong wrestling fan. So you never want to like go against the god of professional wrestling and Vince McMahon. But when you hear a report like that, Dr. Trey, and it made me think of the stuff with The Revival, uh, now FTR and AEW, that they wanted to make them a comedy act, and the reportedly the costumes that they were given, and that was like a legit WWE thing. I'm like, this this can't be real. And it's it's... It's feeding into that WWE is out of touch right now and just made me blow my mind. So there's reports out there, Kevin Owens, maybe AW Bound, the silly manager report of Adam Cole. Brian Danielson says in interviews and in the ring post all out, he didn't want to leave WWE. He's got family there, legit family. The head of talent relations is his father-in-law, John Laurinaitis. Reportedly, he loves Vince McMahon, has a ton of respect for Vince McMahon, respect for Vince McMahon. Like, they have a great relationship, did not want to leave. But he's left. He left AW. Like, these are not good things for WWE right now. And just from the outside looking in, and of course, this always gets us wrestling fans in trouble, it can't be good behind the scenes for WWE right now. Like, I can't imagine that morale is great knowing that AEW is like kicking him in the nuts and everybody that is a former coworker of yours and your friend that ends up working at AEW has so much more fun than you do in WWE. Like you, all of us, right? We, we feel like this on a day-to-day basis. We want to work in a fun environment. I don't want to work in an uncreative, uh, micromanaging, they're out of touch world. And that's what we've got on our hands right now, Dr. Train. It kind of goes back to your point. You know, WWE has to respond here in some way. And, and I don't know if they're going to respond based off of, Kevin Owens may be leaving. Let's make Adam Cole a manager and just being overall potentially out of touch. Uh, lots of lots of stuff to unpack there, Dr. Trey, from it all. Yeah, it, it, it's it's on one hand, it's 
it's great for wrestling on one hand because we legitimately now have a number two borderline number one. Um, that's what we've been clamoring for since 2001. It's been 20 years since we had this. Um, and history repeats itself. Like you hear Daniel, the stuff Daniel Bryan is saying, he never wanted to leave WWE. He's got family there. He loves Vince. This is the same stuff that we heard about Bret Hart when Bret Hart left WWE for WCW. He did not want to leave. He was willing to to work with the numbers to make it work for Vince because he loved Vince and his family was uh, Owen was there, Bulldog was there, Nightheart was there. His family was there. He didn't want to go, and he left. You know, it's eerily similar. Like you look at a guy like Adam Cole, and you're like, was that kind of Vince playing with Shawn Michaels and Diesel? Like Shawn was kind of the mouthpiece for Diesel. Like it's a very similar. And who? The, why the hell would Keith Lee, who's one of the most you know, one of the best talkers in the world when you give a microphone, why would he need a mouthpiece? You know, it's like, what? Do we, do we, do you even know who your talent is and what they're capable of? Um, it's, it's really mind boggling. Like some of the stuff that you're hearing is just crazy. And then you hear Kevin, you know, you see the stuff with Kevin Owens tweeting out the Mount Rushmore stuff. And it's like, if you're WWE and you have, but again, one of the best promo guys in the world, a blue collar working class hero that fans could really get behind if you give him the ball. And he's ready to leave, rumored, because of everything going on. What are you not feeding your talent? Like, what are you not giving your talent the opportunity to run with? And it's just it, it just feels very reminiscent of that WWE back in, you know, 94, 95, 96 when you had Jim Cornette doing the writing. And it was very old school, very, you know, good guy versus bad guy, very kind of plain Jane, almost, you know, borderline out of touch with what society was going on. And, and we're in a whole different world now than we were five years ago. And it feels like, you know, in a lot of ways, the same kinds of shows that we were watching back in those days when you watched WWE. So it's very troubling, especially also when I'm reading reports that WWE is looking to, you know, or, you know, looking to sell in the next two years and that Disney is one of the people they're looking to sell it to. And Oh my God, a Disney WWE that may be atrocious. And, and that's just, that makes my heart sink a little bit. If that's the route it ends up going at some point. Wednesday's life post live post all out edition of AW dynamite reportedly drew 1.319 million viewers on TNT. According to show buzz daily, um, this is the second highest rated edition of AW All Out from uh, the only other one is its premiere, uh, which was back on October 2nd, 2019, which drew 1.409 million viewers. Um, AW Dynamite beat this week's Raw in a key demographic for viewers. Dynamite had 681,000 viewers from the 18 to 49 demo, while Raw had 678,000 from the 18 to 49 demo. Uh, Eric Bischoff said recently that it feels like AW is closing the gap. There's still a lot of things that they have to do to get out, get that out of the way to continue to close that gap, but AEW has a ton of momentum going in a direction. And, um, yeah, I don't know where it goes from here. I mean, you think about the AEW shows, and this is how I look at it, Dr. Trey. We could do an entire podcast on this. Um, certainly, we have a couple other topics we want to get to, but I think this is how I'll sum it up. Is I can't think of the last time I was like really excited to watch a WWE show. It may have been WrestleMania, just see the crowd back um, initially. But going into it, I can't think of a time where I came out like overall really excited going into the show and then coming out of it very excited as well. AEW's had these moments dating back to about December when Sting appeared, Christian appeared, um, Mark Henry, CM Punk, 
Malachi Black, Andrade, like uh, obviously Adam Cole, Brian Danielson. They, they've been winning every single one one of these moments, and those are those moments that people go out and check out on YouTube, on Twitter, on ESPN shows. Like they're winning the buzzworthy stuff, and and it looks like people are having fun when they go to the stands. WWE, it's it's like the same old stuff. Like I think maybe the last time people got really excited was when Edge returned at the Royal Rumble. Uh, it's or maybe when Cena returned. I guess I should say for Money in the Bank. But I don't know, man. It just it it certainly feels like, and this is still coming off of AW All Out. Obviously, it just you could feel it that there's a momentum swing right now. And I think the easy thing for us to say from the outside looking in is that WWE needs to adjust because as fans, what AEW is putting out week after week. And I was a guy, Dr. Trey was a guy that when AEW first came out, we're like, why are they so arrogant? What, you know, they haven't earned anything yet. Well, they've earned it all. They've earned wrestling fans respect. They've talked a good game and they've backed it up for the last two years. So I, I don't know how WWE adjusts to this, Dr. Trey, because I do feel like AEW is closing that gap. Yeah, I don't know how they adjust either because. You know, it, it wasn't that long ago that you and I sat here and said, wow, this WWE roster from top to bottom is loaded. Like, there's so much talent in the building. And then just in the last six months, we've seen a lot of that talent dissipate. And not giving guys the kind of creative freedom to explore their characters. I, I mean, every character we've seen is basically the same guy we've seen. You know, Baron Corbin's getting to be a little bit different. Uh, and then Roman. Outside of that, everybody's basically the same character they were a year ago. Like, the costumes might change. The look might change. But there's no, there's been no depth. There's been no hype. There's been no, like you said, outside of Edge and, you know, the RK Bro tandem. Like, there's nothing I really get excited about when WWE TV comes on. Like, there's no, you know, do we get the demon? Like, will that extreme rules? Will that help out a little bit? Yeah, but like, you know, losing Bray Wyatt, like letting Bray Wyatt go, like Bray Wyatt, the return of Bray Wyatt to WWE, you know, since uh, WrestleMania was something we were all looking forward to. Like, where does he go next? What's his character going to be next? Because it was different. It was so unique. That's not around anymore. You know, losing. I mean, right now we're looking at you know half of the undisputed era, which was the best. You know, thing one of the best things going in NXT for you know years. Half those guys are gone now, you know. And you got Roderick Strong in the Diamond Mine, which I don't think is that great. And then you got Cool Kyle O'Reilly playing his air guitar, which is fun. But I, to me, that that weakens all that. Velveteen Dream, who you know may have had personal issues, but he was entertaining to watch. Not around anymore. Like a lot of the entertainment value that we watched WWE for the last four years, no longer with the company. So who's going to stand out and jump out and take that next step to make WWE cool. I don't know if they have that guy around that hasn't already been featured uh, and given the opportunity. Like, like right now it's Roman and Lashley and everybody else and, and drew like those three guys are, are carrying the company. And outside of that, it's like, eh, like everything else is eh, okay. But nothing makes me go, man, I have to watch raw. I have to watch SmackDown. AEW has that now. Now, I feel like if I miss Dynamite, I missed out on something. I, you know, if I miss a pay per view, I missed out on something. Like it's really, you know, it's it's that you know kind of TV writing that you and I talk about. Like, give me a reason to watch the next show. 
AEW is giving us that right now. And I don't know if any of the brands in WWE right now are giving me that at all right now across all three brands. It's, just, it's really just kind of stagnant all across the board. We, uh, we have a week in between here before we have to you know cover Extreme Rules. Maybe on next week's show we'll take a little bit more of an in-depth look here at the AWWE stuff heading into uh, the end of 2021 and then heading into 2022 because I think it's an interesting story right now. It really does feel like AEW is making some major moves to shake the ground in professional wrestling, and they've changed it. They have changed the universe. They have changed the world, and that is what they set out to do, and they have been successful thus far, and I can expect them to continue to be successful um, they've certainly won us over as a promotion. I'm a big AEW fan and um, very happy for the success. They've earned it. And uh, I hope this makes WWE better because if it makes WWE better, it makes wrestling better, which makes things very entertaining for us as wrestling fans moving forward. Uh, Dr. Trey, some quick hits. Tomorrow night, Friday night, SmackDown will be from MSG the night before nine, the uh, 20th anniversary of 9-11. We usually talk about this each year. Uh, 20 years later, 9-11-01, uh, I think we all kind of remember where we were that day. Uh, there's going to be a great documentary. I, I'm really looking forward to it on the Peacock Network, WWE Network, for the um, WWE Never Forget doing the show two days later in Houston on SmackDown, which is a very emotional show. I remember it as a little kid. Um, your thoughts here, as we said, 20 years later from one of the worst, the, the worst terrorist attack in United States history and one of the most um, memorable moments of our lifetime. Yeah. One of the, one of the reasons why I will never hate WWE or never totally lose my allegiance to WWE is what they did after September 11th. Like that first show back and just the love, the support, the emotions, everything that went in that show and, once again, Vince being the guy like, hey, we're going to do our show. This We are, we saw it during the pandemic era. You and I sat here and talked about it. Like, knowing that WWE and pro wrestling as a whole provides an escape for us from the real world, and it was cathartic. Um, those Every time we get to September 11th, those emotions kick in. And, and you and I kind of talked about it a couple weeks ago. Like, the fact that I literally have a show coming up this Saturday – that I get to work a show with, you know, some of the best talent in the world, you know, on this little bitty show in Tennessee. I had never thought I would say I was looking forward to September 11th, but I am just because of, I know what that meant to me and what it meant to my friends and family. And especially when I was out there traveling and I would go to New York and I would go to the Northeast and I would go to Jersey and I would be in Pennsylvania. And I've seen everything and talked to people who were there. Like I, it, the emotions every year when this comes up just kicks me right in the feels again. And plus it being the 20th anniversary. It's just, it's, you know, it, it's just been, it's, it's a crazy time to relive that considering what we're going through as a people as well. Right now, it, it, it's, it's just really life altering in so many different ways. And, you know, I, I look at it like, you know, I, I think of my dad's generation and going through like the Korean war and Vietnam and then, you know, dad's 65 years old now and all the stuff he's seen in his life is just really crazy to look at, like everything that we as a nation have gone through, you know, just in the last 20 years since September 11th and how we're still pushing and grinding and moving forward and how really like, you know, we've lost a lot of people because just the sheer amount of stress and anxiety that has fallen upon us has driven people, you know, to take their own lives and stuff like that is it's just a really 
crazy world and, and times that we've lived through and are living through right now. Yeah, I think you hit the net, head on the the net. Wow, you've hit the nail on the head, um, and you did that by saying like the allegiance line there from WWE. I'm with you. That's why I feel like I can never really talk crap about Vince McMahon because that speech he gave meant a lot to me as a young kid during that time period when you're like looking to your heroes to like tell you everything's going to be okay. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I think that show, that moment, that speech was Vince McMahon's defining moment, greatest moment. I think it was one of WWE's greatest moments because they were there for a nation when it was really, really bad. People didn't know what was going on, and we've talked about it in the last couple of years with the pandemic. And I felt as wrestling as a whole, as a whole, it was the same way. That's why, like, you can't really like crap all over what was going on with WWE and AEW in the past year because they were showing up to work to put on entertainment for us when there was nothing else going on. And uh, it was like that same spirit that they had from from nine eleven oh one as well. Um, speaking of that big show on Friday night, Dr. Trey, Becky Lynch will be having a contract signing with Bianca Belair for their match at Extreme Rules for the SmackDown Women's Championship. So far, Becky's been back. She's working as a heel. Does that heel turn look to be working in your eyes? No, not yet. I mean, to me, that every time she's come out, it's still been majority of cheers. Like, she's got to do something downright evil and dastardly. <laughs> to really get people to hate her. And I don't know if there's anything in her repertoire to pull out. I don't know if there's anything. Like, WWE had to go completely off of what they've been doing the last last year or two to really cement her as a heel. I mean, you flip over to Raw. Like, you watch Charlotte. Charlotte still gets – Charlotte gets cheered. You know, it, it's always kind of weird to me. Like, really? Like, she's, like, literally calling you guys stupid and you still cheer for her. But I don't know if – a full-on Becky heel turn will ever work because she's so beloved. It's kind of like, you know, when Austin joined with Vince, like that was supposed to be the heel turn. And I don't, you know, I mean, his crowd is still half cheering, half booing for him. So, uh, and I don't know if Bianca's that well beloved as well. Like people like her a lot, but she never had, she's never had the Becky Lynch, you know, momentum behind her where she's just universally loved by everybody and nothing she could do could change that. So um, it, it is what it is. I mean, there. this is what you get when you do 50-50 booking. This is what you get when, you know, you don't really get somebody completely over. Um, and then you bring somebody back and you try to change the character up. It, it, people missed her. It's hard to boo somebody that you missed. Um, and she's going to come up with something really, really evil and dastardly. And I don't know if they have anybody that she can pull that off with that would make her reviled. Uh, and then lastly here, Dr. Drake, giving it with a SmackDown brand. Uh, Roman Reigns, Finn Balor, they had a good match on SmackDown this past Friday. They're going to carry that over to uh, Extreme Rules in a title match. Um, who do you think is the one that finally knocks off Roman Reigns? Brock Lesnar is supposed to be on SmackDown tomorrow night. Is is Lesnar the guy? Where, where do we go from here? Who stops the head of the table? Well, if it was me, it's the guy holding the money in the bank briefcase. Because I think his personality uh, is one of those things that everybody would just jump on the train of love. Biggie's fun. He's energetic. He's funny. He's a tough guy. That would be my pick. Um, I love Finn Balor. I think Finn's fantastic. But on paper, you know, Finn's, I don't know if Finn's the guy. And I don't know if you bring Brock in to dethrone Lesnar if the fans are going to be like, hey, that's great. Oh, we got Brock on top again. We may not see the universal championship around that much again. 
So to me, it's Big E. That's that's the guy I would I would kind of bank on to run this brand because we've seen what they can do as a group with the New Day. Uh, and Big E to me, out of those three guys, is the most charismatic of the three. So that would be the guy I would bank on. You want to go with Big E? I like that call, man. <laughs> Thank you. I just I, once again we talk about who on this roster is somebody that little kids and adults could get behind and root. Big E, like. And to me, it's 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 K. It, to me, blue collar KO and fun Big E yeah. is one of the, are those two guys that you could put on top of your card and, or on top of the card, and everybody would love the choice. Um, and KO's had a shot, and they decide not to pull the trigger there. So to me, it's got to be Big E. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Big E could be a guy that could get people back into it. Um, they need someone right now. WWE really needs someone right now to to get them back into the uh, right path here because it's been it's been a rough four weeks for WWE. They just look like they're getting rumbled all over by AEW right now. So it's uh it's been an interesting week, that's for sure. We'll uh we'll be keeping a close eye on this. I think the AEW WWE discussion will be a big one that we'll talk about on next week's show, uh, unless some other news breaks during the week that uh, kind of changes up the topics of the uh, program here. But with that said, let's get a couple plugs and sponsors out of the way. You can download the show every Thursday at thebarrowshow.com. WrestleChatNet on Twitter and the Still Realtor Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help us come the charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTU Jeff and for Dr. Trey Franklin at the Dr. Trey. And of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. With that being said, what is going on in the wonderful world of Dr. Trey Franklin this week? Well, like Jeff said, you can follow me on Twitter at the Dr. Trey. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search out Dr. Trey Franklin, and I will magically appear. Uh, when you're on Facebook, check out Rocket City Championship Wrestling. I got to make my return to Rocket City for the first time in two months this past Saturday. Uh, looking forward to see how the show goes from here. Uh, and then, like I mentioned earlier, this Saturday, uh, September 11th, big show for Mayhem Championship Wrestling, headlined by the uh, Good Brothers taking on the team of Team Canada. Uh, Josh Alexander and Scott Demore also just announced Killer Kelly from NXT UK uh, will also be in the show in mixed tag action. So looking forward to meeting her for the first time. Um, overall, she'll be a really fun, uh, outstanding show. Uh, looking forward to get the commentary on there. We can get that out to you guys as well. So just be on the lookout for those things coming up. Yeah, you got to give us some uh, stories on next week's show about how that experience goes. So we'll uh, we got a lot to talk about when it comes to AEW and WWE. The momentum. Dr. Trey calling a match of the Good Brothers and Josh Alexander and Scott Demore and Killer Kelly, formerly from NXT UK, being on the show as well. So there's going to be a lot of good things here coming on next week's podcast. We'll be back on the 16th of September for episode number 605. So uh, good, good week for professional wrestling, nonetheless. Maybe a breakout week here, folks, for AEW overall on the mainstream side of things. So until next week, for Dr. Trey Franklin, I'm Jeff Peck. Have some fun being a wrestling fan. This is the Sorelta Show.
watched Marry Me. Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, Maluma, Marry Me. Directed by Kat Koiro. Rated PG-13. Streaming now only on Peacock. Sign up now. Visit PeacockTV.com. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Say by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started.